Landon, as expected, Russell Westbrook traded, but to Houston. I thought it would be Miami or maybe Minnesota. Uh, Houston always tries to land the big fish. What was your initial reaction last night when you heard the news? Well, I was I was surprised that it wasn't a three-team deal because I wasn't expecting OKC to take back Chris Paul's contract because the big thing was they want to rebuild, they want to start over. And while Paul isn't as good as Westbrook, he's still a winning player. He's going to win you games that you want to be losing. And it's obvious they want to blow it up, tank, rebuild, all that stuff. I think, I think they're going to move Paul again. But I'm just surprised this third team wasn't already in the initial deal. I think the third team wasn't in the deal, not because uh, the Thunder didn't didn't want a third team. It's because they couldn't find one that they could make it work with. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they do. I personally think the Paul contract is worse than the Westbrook contract, although there's a year less on it because uh, Paul is almost four years older. And he has a worse injury history. And he's smaller. And, yes, he's an excellent player and former All-Star and All-NBA and all that. But he has never come through. Uh, in the clutch. At least Westbrook was the second best player on the finals team in 2012. I don't know, man. I, I don't understand why they did this. I felt like they uh, should have waited, find some contracts they could have dumped. I don't know why taking on the second worst contract in the NBA is worth it to get rid of, you know, the third or fourth worst contract in the NBA because I just feel like in the last week, in the media especially, there's been so much like just the assumption that Westbrook is like a dead contract and really kind of comparing it to the wall contract. The guy plays and plays well. He did slip a little last year. Yes, he's had some knee issues. The guy's going to play at least a couple years at, at a high level. And yes, he there is some doubt about whether his isolation kind of high usage rate can, can make him a champion. But I think Paul has similar questions uh, and then some. So I don't know, man. I, I don't think Westbrook was like a big asset or anything. And um, I don't really enjoy watching him play as much as I like watching, you know, let's say the Warriors play and share the ball. But the guy is something, and the guy is a huge draw. And Houston is has gotten better, and they are just another team with two good stars that has a chance. I really think they have a chance to win it next year. And what I bet on them, no. I just am kind of, I am like you, I'm amazed that they took on Paul without a third team for this because I don't like Paul's next three years here. I don't know. I think we might see something unprecedented here. I think we might see a buyout with two years after next year and uh, and Paul wind up with the Lakers. We're going to see Sam Presti is not afraid to do some pretty over-the-top, out-of-the-box things. So, I don't know. I, I didn't get it. I like the Westbrook contract and the player better. Yeah, I think this is similar to what we said about the Clippers training for Paul George in that, yes, OKC is getting a lot of assets, but the team getting the better player is keeping all their depth because the majority of the package is picks. So for Houston, they get a straight upgrade from Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook. And all these picks aren't going to help them win now in James Harden's prime when he's still a 35 points per game scorer. To them, they, do, they really don't care. These four picks are up to seven years down the line. They don't care. They're trying to win now with one of the best scores we've ever seen. They don't care about the future. They just care about right now, especially with the West looking wide open. A lot of people thought they were going to dump Paul or something was going to happen, that they were going to add another player, that uh, they were going to lose They were going to lose Gordon or they were going to lose Capella. Well, no. So I think they, like you said, they got an upgrade at that position. I think they could be really interesting. I think the big thing is going to be the personalities, the health, and how I think – they could figure out a way to get these guys a lot of usage and then be really interesting considering there's no 
full-fledged, full-health Warriors. Uh, I don't think they're the favorite, but I do think they could be very interesting. This is a team that's been close in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, the only question is, obviously, Westbrook and Harden. I've seen this stat over the past couple of days. They're the only two players in NBA history to have a season where they had a usage rate of over 40%. That was Westbrook's MVP year and then Harden this past season. So it'll be interesting to see how they fit together because at least with Chris Paul and James Harden, they're both good shooters, so they can play off ball. Westbrook can't really shoot, and James Harden loves to be on the ball. We've seen that coaching staff, we've seen that front office be creative and kind of make things work. So, And we've also seen personalities clash there. So it's going to be very interesting to say the least. For the Thunder, I mean, I get you're going to rebuild when you can, and you hit that reset button when you get an opportunity. But to take back Paul's contract is going to cause some issues unless there's a trade coming down in the next few days we don't know about. They, all these picks, uh, they smartly have deferred these picks because these teams they're trading with are going to be pretty good in the next two seasons. But that means they're not going to have a lot of help anytime soon. And I really think they should have run it back with Westbrook and uh, Steven Adams and Gallinari unless they got great value for him and SGA. I think they could have run it back another year, let these contracts kind of defer another year, and then it would be easier to offload, I think, Westbrook, and much easier to offload Adams this time next year, and then kind of launch into rebuild. Because right now, how are they going to get rid of Adams? They're going to have to, I think they're going to have to attach value with him, and real value, probably. And if it's just going to be a weird team if they keep him. So, I mean, it's going to be hard for them to fully hit that reset button. Because here's the thing, these picks... They have three teams' futures, right? They have the Heat, two picks from the Heat, the Clippers, and now the Rockets. One of these three teams is going to be pretty bad, and they're going to get a star in the next seven or eight years out of this, likely. But that's a long time coming. Their best bet is to just keep everybody, run it back, keep the fans happy, and then hit the button at the right time, or uh, just absolutely hit, hit the reset button and let their own picks be top five or top ten now that the lottery's changed is about all you could uh, guarantee and then let these picks be added for value or future trades but i don't know man i think yeah everybody's bragging about all the value but these picks most of these are going to be between 15 and 25 right well going back to what you said about how these teams could be bad in the future okc really got all their picks where the meat of them are late as far as you can up to the seven year window you you can trade for these four stars on the Clippers and the Rockets and add Jimmy Butler on the Heat, all their contracts are going to expire. Not to mention they're all going to be a lot older. They'll be nearing the end of their careers because when you hit mid to late 30s, that's just how it is. You start to tail off. So all these teams, maybe they re- maybe they rebuild. They draft, they draft another star. They bring in a guy. But all three of these teams, realistically, in a couple years... Most of these stars could be gone or not that good. But think of this. All three of these teams have been championship-level teams or contenders and really didn't have a true rebuild more than a year. They've all, that none, none of them have had a top 10 or better pick in the last decade. So just think of that. Like the worst Miami ever got, even after LeBron and them left, was when they got Bama Adebayo, 13th. The worst, uh, I think their own pick was like 13th last year. 
And so when is Houston been bad in the last 10 or 12 years? I, I, I think these teams could have some low points, but I just think there's always going to be bottom feeders and smaller market teams that have to rebuild and really poorly run big market teams. Yeah, I mean, one of these picks, two of these picks is maybe going to be top five, top ten, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I love picks, and uh, Oklahoma City has done a pretty good job of uh, drafting. They've drafted high well. They've also made some some interesting picks later, but I I think that's a that's a kind of a different game when you're picking twentieth or twenty fifth than when you're picking, you know, third or fourth. Like uh, Presti obviously did an excellent job in three straight drafts, picking Durant, then Westbrook, then Harden. We think about who that who these teams are. They're always going to find a way to be at least competitive. Miami doesn't tank. Houston is not going to tank unless you know Maury leaves and goes to the Knicks or something. So. Yeah, it's great, but they could have gotten some more mileage out of Westbrook. I think the narrative got a little too harsh on them. When Paul George was healthy, they were playing really well together, and I think they could have kept it going, and I think they're going to be mired in really bad contracts anyway with Adams and now Paul. I don't understand it unless there are some other moves coming. I just think they could and I'm not usually the guy that says, oh, just hang with it, run it back, but why not? I mean, what are they going to do? It's going to be SGA and nobody uh, here coming up. I think Presti might have seen that the ceiling of this current team, where they're already pretty much capped out, wasn't good enough to be a true finals contender because Westbrook is no longer the freakish MVP level player he once was. His shooting dropped off even more this year. And he's just, with that team, he just, he couldn't be the max, the super max level guy that you're paying while, while you're still a championship contender. So Presti just bit the bullet he blew it up early when he didn't have to to reset the team a couple years to see what can happen maybe with a new nucleus yeah i think he's excited about doing that i think he took kind of the parachute of that huge contract because if he if westbrook has one more knee issue then that's just gonna make that absolutely john wall untradeable i'm not saying it's gonna happen but they're kind of walking a tightrope without a net there but Chris Paul, I'm, I'm betting, I just keep going back out there, saddled with a very similarly, but a player that I think has a worse reputation for kind of winning when it counts and, and kind of working with, with teammates and, and things like that, and a guy who's four years older. But it's going to be interesting because they're going to have a lot of picks, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how that fan base responds. They've been crazy and loving it the whole time. We'll see if Chris Paul plays, plays a year there. I don't really see that. I think Pressy's a guy that's always wanted to kind of break it down and build it, you know, from the studs up. And I think he's not going to pick a, a Westbrook-type player. I think he's going to uh, kind of go to his roots of the Spurs and find, I hate to call Westbrook selfish, but kind of a uh, guy who can play in a more fluid offense and, and needs less usage. And I think he's interested in doing that. A lot of people guess that he'll leave and go somewhere else, but I think you kind of want to stick around and make these picks. He's still a young guy. Uh, relatively, but I don't know. There's so much to be said and so much that's yet to happen. But it has been fun. It has been an amazing. You, everyone's seen all the the memes and the Instagram posts about you know six or seven All NBA players, uh, past or present, uh, that have moved teams. And um, is that good for the game, Landon? Do, or does this make you more excited for next season, or does it kind of make it uh, seem like a like 2K to you? In a way, I like it because. There's a lot more parody, and it's fun when the the league dynamic changes and these new contenders pop up, and the old guard that's always been there dies down and isn't that good for a while, then they come back. But at the same time, it can be a slippery slope where 
obviously like Paul George had two more years at the minimum until he could leave, and he's already forcing his way out. Now obviously OKC got a monster return for him. If you just offered him if you just offered them that straight up, they might have taken it anyway. But it's just it's just setting a precedent that could quickly turn on its head for the league because these trades, they're massive. Twitter blows up all these woge bomb jokes. Everyone freaks out. But at the same time, if if all these teams are really just one to two, maybe three-year little windows where fans don't really have a sense of belonging with these players and these teams because everyone's just always changing, they're always moving, they always want to get something else, then I can see how that negatively affects the game. So if Chris Paul moves before the start of the season, what's your best couple of guesses on where we're going to see him? Well, I, I texted you this last night when the trade broke, but I think Minnesota for so Minnesota trades Wiggins and then salary filler on both sides to make it work. Works for both sides because Wiggins isn't a winning player right now. However, he always seems to go off and have monster games against OKC. So maybe Sam Presti takes him and sees if he can turn him into something. And then Minnesota gets off Wiggins and they get Chris Paul. Chris Paul has one year less on his deal. And he fits a lot more with Carlton Towns and them trying to be competitive right now. And that's really the only clear fit because but I th- it feels like both teams w- would want to trade these two Albatross contracts, get, get rid of Wiggins or get rid of Paul. But it's just, obviously these contracts are so big and so immovable that it's just hard to see teams doing it anyway. Yeah, if Oklahoma City wants to own like every bad contract in the NBA in one offseason, that would be the next step would be Wiggins. I don't see that happening, but I didn't see these last two. It just didn't seem. I didn't think anybody would take on Paul's contract, even for Westbrook. Um, I think everybody's aware of the draft pick compensation they got um, that Oklahoma City uh, received along with Paul. Uh, so we won't really go down the line of that, but. Uh, they got some picks and some switches, and years and years out. I think OKC's thinking long game, definitely. I think OKC has had a really good team and a market. I've been to a game out there. They absolutely have a great fan base. I think they have an ec- the equity to do a the process Sixers-type absolute rebuild, and I don't think Presti will brag about it and uh, try to make himself feel better about talking about how, what a genius he is when they're being terrible, I don't think he has the ego um, uh, that um, Hickey did. So I I think they could really go long-term on this. Uh, what do you think? I think I think that's what happens, and they certainly can keep fans interested in it because I think these fans understand that they've been spoiled this past decade because they were lucky and smart enough to draft three MVPs three years in a row. They got to contend for so many years. They got so close several times. They've had some of the best players we've ever seen come through and play for them. And and the first years, the first two years, these fans, this team wasn't that good. Obviously, they got the third and fourth picks. And so, and it's just like with the process, it's a chance for something new. It's no longer, hey, we're rooting for Westbrook and Durant, guys we've known for so long. It's Rooting for these young guys that these guys can develop, they can become anything. It's fun because it's it's an unknown. We don't like the process was fun because 
all these guys, teams that fans had never really heard of, were stepping on the court and were developing, and fans de- developed real connections. Like Robert Covington and TJ McConnell, they weren't really known, then Philly falls in love with them. So I think that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, I think it's going to be something like that as well. That's well said. What if in six months, when the players that have just signed are able to be traded, what if they buy him out at the trade deadline or just after the trade deadline? So at that point, he'll have uh, this next year, Chris Paul is going to be uh, $38.5 million, then $41 million, then $44 million. Golly. So what if they say, okay, we'll give you $41 million, $40 million. He becomes a free agent, and then he signs a uh, three-year, $20 million deal with the Lakers. And they they move a contract. They, they move Danny Green to do that. I, I think we might see something unprecedented like that. I, I think that they're going to work with them. I think a big part of this we haven't talked about is – yeah, I think Pressy was ready to move on because he didn't know, depending on Westbrook's health, what might um, happen with that. He, that contract could be an albatross for him. I think he got a, took the opportunity to get out while he could, and I think he's okay with rebuilding. But I think they wanted to put Westbrook in, in the right place. Maybe they did want to run it back with Gallinari and SJ and all that. Because they, I don't think they thought they could win, win the last two and a half years, really win a championship, but they've – they were aggressive with Paul George and all that because I think they were okay with trying to win 50 games. I really do. And filling that place up and being an interesting team. Uh, they'll never, they would never tell you that. So I wonder if uh, they don't get really creative and we might see an unprecedented buyout with Chris Paul if they can't move him in the next few weeks. They may not move him. They may not buy him out now. They might wait until um, after the trade. Do you, do you see anything like that in the future? I think it's certainly possible because – now it seems Chris Paul is a lot more interested in winning and contending and spending his last major years as a contributor on a good team, not on what's likely to be a bad tanking team in OKC. And obviously, he's been so good for so long. He's our, The money isn't an issue if he gets bought out for a bit less than if he stayed through his whole contract because he signed at least two maxes, including the super max. So it really just depends on if Chris Paul wants the extra money or he wants to try and win a ring that which he has never done right i think he's going to try to make his way to la and they could use a point guard and i think he would go there uh for whatever money worked for them but still get a lot of money and if he can prove that he can stay healthy i don't know they'll they'll have to figure that out but there's most of these stars that's a caveat we have to mention is is their health because it's a tough game to play um i think as much as they play um and all that Steven Adams, his contract is underratedly kind of tough for me. Any chance they move him this summer? I don't think so, just because so many of the teams that could have absorbed him, maybe they take a pick. Or I remember Boston was was a, was a common trade partner for them where they have all this cap room after they sign Walker and they absorb Steven Adams and they become a contender again. But all these teams have spent all the cap space that could be used to absorb Adams right. on these free agents. And I don't really know what team that would have had the cap room before signing free agents now would want to do it after where they have to give up veterans and young guys, not not the players they just signed. 
Right. I think it'll be a situation kind of like we talked about where uh, some of these players that have just signed free agent contracts will will have to be eligible to be traded, which is about six months from now. So uh, he's on for almost $26 million in uh, the 1920 season and then twenty-seven and a half for 2021. So he'll be coming expiring. Maybe they just hang out with him another year and kind of move him as an expiring or, or get creative with him. Uh, so that will be super interesting to see. This is a team that drafted Durant and did not take the bait to bring in uh, veterans, and they were bad, even with Durant looking awesome in that first year. And they were bad again, had a top five pick, and bad another year. So I think, uh, to my point earlier, I think they have the equity and they have the guy running the team, Presti, that is going to have the nerve to really do a true rebuild. We'll see uh, the actual process kind of seen all the way through. So they could, but it would take a decade, literally, because these picks, some of them, they're good ones, probably it'll be five or six years and then take two or three years for these guys to to kind of get their footing. So we're talking about a super long game here in uh, Oklahoma City. Let's end on this one thing. Uh, I might be overthinking this, but I have enjoyed watching Summer League. I watched the Grizzlies and the Celtics uh, last night. I enjoyed watching Grant Williams play. And uh, your boy, Bob Williams, uh, really looks like he's motivated and ready to go. And they're going to need him to play center. And he looks like he's ready to contribute real minutes on an NBA team in the fall. Uh, All that being said, it makes me really disappointed. I know Zion Williamson was not going to play a lot anyway, because why would you uh, take that risk? But he wasn't in shape, and he wasn't ready to go. It's not like he was absolutely out of shape, but just seeing like Grant Williams, and I know it's different for those guys, um, but Grant Williams obviously, uh, I think, started working out harder after the NCAA tournament. And it's really, uh, a lot of these guys are just, trying to make most of their opportunities. I know it's been a little different for Zion and all the commitments he has, but uh, were you disappointed that they obviously pulled him because he just w- wasn't in game shape? And um, what your other observations of uh, Summer League? Yeah, it, it was disappointing, not because, partially because, yes, he looked out of shape even compared to in college. I think he may end up being one of these guys like Chris Paul where he gradually placed himself into shape during the season which could be a problem for his health, injury health long-term, especially because... It's going to hurt him as a player, too, because Chris Paul and those guys that do that, they uh, it catches up to them earlier. I, I certainly hope not, and they're going to give him every opportunity, and maybe it's just an aberration, but boy, I certainly hope, because it would seem like we'll never see him at his top potential if he, if he goes that route. Yeah, and he already had that scare in college. I was more so disappointed by how he played so unlike the Zion we saw at Duke where he's not bullying into the paint, taking layups, making dunks, lobs. He took in that in the nine minutes he played, I think he took more pull up jumpers and pull up threes than in ten games he would have done in college. They were, it it seems so weird. It's almost like they told him, Hey, go out experimental, see where your conditioning's at, but we don't want you playing all out like you usually do for your health risk. Yeah. I think they told him not to bang around because of summer league and he wasn't in shape. And I think in the first little um, thing that happened to him, they just used it as an excuse to pull him because he wasn't in shape and, and they, they wanted, he is a obviously a big player for them in the fall and they would hate for something just off the wall to happen and hurt all this momentum. 
Your boy Jackson Hayes, though, has looked really good. It is summer league, but you see that potential that he has athletically. And so uh, pretty much, um, you know, all the guys from their draft look kind of, you know, ready to go as far as to, to develop and slowly become an NBA player. So uh, I think New Orleans was excited before summer league, obviously. And I think I think the, the excitement's e- even risen, right? Yeah, I think so because – Obviously, Hayes was super raw, so we so you couldn't really know what he was. Then the first game, he and Alexander Walker played because the NBA trade rules are stupid, so he missed the first couple games. He drops 26 points, super efficient, dunks over a guy with one of the best dunks we've seen in a while. He hit a three in one of his games, and his form didn't look terrible. So he's showing out, and he's showing a lot of stuff that we didn't really see at Texas. And to me, he's looked much less raw than I thought he was. That's good because his own, his major question was, how long will it take for him to develop the mental side of, of things? And it's only summer league, but he's looked a lot better than he did at Texas. Oh, absolutely. And Walker has looked really good too. And, uh, you know, it's gonna, there's a lot of really good, young, interesting players. Summer league has been a blast. Um, and um, just love it, man. It's year-round now. That's our take on Westbrook and Paul. That's um, our early look at Summer League. We'll be back with you soon. Thanks.